ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا My dear brothers and sisters in Islam The very first recorded sin that we have in our history Was the sin of Iblis And what was the sin of Iblis? Allah explicitly mentions in the Quran, Aba wastakbara wa kana min al-kafirin. He was arrogant and he refused, and because of this he became of the ungrateful. In today's khutbah, I want to remind ourselves of the dangers of arrogance and of the importance of humility. Arrogance is one of the cardinal sins of our religion. In fact, Ibn Taymiyyah mentions that the sin of arrogance is typically more despised to Allah than even the sin of shirk. Arrogance or kibr is worse than paganism. How? Why? Ibn Taymiyyah says, at least the pagan, at least the mushrik, occasionally worships Allah. But the arrogant person never worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what we see in the character of Iblis where Iblis refused to acknowledge the truth. And it is because of this that the commandments that have come, that the Quranic verses that have come censuring arrogance are some of the most strictest in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala links the fire of Jahannam with those who are arrogant. Allah says in the Quran, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ Those who are too arrogant to worship me, those are the people that shall enter Jahannam humiliated. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, أُدْخُلُوا أَبْوَابَ جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا فَلَبِئْسَ مَثْوَ الْمُتَكَبِّرِينَ Enter the doors of Jahannam to dwell forever in it. And what an evil abode. And who is it for? لِلْمُتَكَبِّرِينَ Those who are arrogant in this world. And our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Should I not inform you of every person who will go to Jahannam? Do you want me to tell you who the Jahannami is? He said, it is the one who is mustakbir, arrogant, ja'bari, obnoxious, and egotistical. The Prophet described the jahannami, the one going to jahannam, as the one who is arrogant and obnoxious, the one who thinks himself better than other people. That is the one that is going to jahannam. No human being has the right to feel arrogant. No human being has the right to feel superior to another created object. And this is why 
our Prophet wasallam said that Allah has sworn that no one with an atom's weight of arrogance shall enter Jannah. No one who has kibr in their hearts shall ever enter Jannah. Jannah is haram for the one who feels himself superior, for the one who thinks that he is better, for the one who is walking around with a speck of arrogance in his or her heart. And that is why it is so crucial that we examine our hearts. We're always looking at ourselves. Am I being arrogant? Am I having that sense of kibr? If so, we need to eliminate. And our Prophet ﷺ illustrated for us, he clarified for us what is the essence of arrogance. Once a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, Ya Rasulullah, I like to wear good clothes. Is this arrogance? Is it haram for me to look good, to look dignified? Our Prophet ﷺ said, No, that's not arrogance. Arrogance is not to live a comfortable life and to enjoy the blessings of Allah. That's not arrogance. What is arrogance? He said explicitly, Arrogance is to look down at other people and to reject the truth when it comes to you. He defined arrogance in two categories. One of them is spiritual arrogance and one of them is the arrogance of this dunya. One of them is the arrogance of the deen, the other is the arrogance of the dunya. As for the arrogance of the deen, as for the arrogance of the religion, it is to refuse to accept the truth. You have a position, you think it is right and then it is proven wrong and just because you said it and the other person has proven wrong to you, you refuse to accept and of course Iblis is the sheikh of this arrogance Iblis is the one who began it he knew that Adam was worthy of sajda he knew that he should have obeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but he refused to accept the truth to the very end that is the quintessential arrogance of Iblis knowing the truth recognizing the truth and then rejecting it and that is the worst of the two category us as Muslims the definition of Islam is humility the definition of Islam is to accept the truth wherever it comes from from. Our Prophet ﷺ said, mu'min." Wisdom and nuggets of truth, this is something that every, anywhere you find it, the believer f- picks it from. Doesn't matter where it comes from. mu'min means wherever you find it, with your enemy, with your friend, with an unknown authority, somebody benefits you with knowledge. Somebody teaches you something, you will take it and you will thank Allah for it. Doesn't matter who it comes from. So arrogance, the first category, to reject the truth when it is presented to you. And if you find yourself holding a position and you refuse to ever budge from that position, deep down inside you know that you're wrong, but you refuse to budge, realize you are following literally in the footsteps of Iblis. So be careful and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second category of arrogance is ghamtun nas to look down at other people, to think that you are better than them for any reason, for any reason. If you think you're better than them because of the color of your skin, then you're nothing but a racist. If you think you're better than them because you have more wealth than them, you have more privilege than them, then you are somebody who is obnoxious, thinking that just because you have a better bank account, you are better than somebody else. If you think you are better than them because of religion, then you don't have religion. Because if you had religion, you wouldn't have that element of kibr. Never look at other people and say, I am better than them. Now, this does not mean that you approve of the other people's lifestyles. If somebody has a sin and you don't have that sin, you say, thank Allah, I don't have that sin. But never think yourself better than the person. You may thank Allah for not having the sin. That's not thinking you're better. But the person you do not know. Never forget that hadith in Sahih Muslim of the Prophet telling us there were two people once upon a time. There were two people, one of them was a drunkard 
And the other one used to go to the mosque all the time, worshiper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every time the mosque goer would pass by the drunkard, he would tell him, fear Allah, go and pray. And the drunkard would ignore him. One day, the drunkard got angry at this man. And he said, who do you think you are to tell me to always go to the mosque? Go mind your own business. Did Allah place you as my boss? Did Allah put you as my muraqib or somebody who's taking care of me now? The guy was rude. And it's very wrong for him to say this. But what was the response of this quote-unquote muttaqi? What was the response of the masjid goer? He became angry. And he felt he is better than this drunkard. And he said, Wallahi, Allah will never forgive you. Wallahi, Allah will never forgive you. Now the first person was a drunkard. He was a sinner. He's a sinful man. And he said something rude. He was obnoxious. He shouldn't have done that. The second person became the judge, jury, and executioner. The second person took on the status of Allah Azza wa Jal and said, you're never going to be forgiven. The Prophet Sallallahu said, Allah said to that man, and who are you to speak in my name? Who are you to say who can be forgiven or not? Because of that one statement, Allah, this is hadith, Allah is saying in the hadith, because of that one statement, all of your good deeds have gone to waste and I have forgiven that man. The man was a sinner, but deep down inside he knew he was a sinner. He wasn't arrogant against Allah. He knew he's a sinner. He knew that he's doing something wrong. He became irritated with another human being and that is a sin, but there's no arrogance there. As for the one who's going to the mosque all the time, the one who thought himself better, he suffered from the sin of arrogance. And he said, I'm going to Jannah, you're going to Jahannam. And that attitude was a bigger sin in the eyes of Allah than a lifetime of that drunkard's evil. So we understand what it means to be arrogant here, to think you are better than somebody. And again, don't mix the two things. You may thank Allah for having elements of piety. Yes, you thank Allah you're going to the masjid. Yes, you see somebody who's drunkard, you say, Alhamdulillah, I'm not doing that sin. Okay, but do not ever think that you as an individual have a higher status in the eyes of Allah than another person because you do not know your fate and you do not know that person's fate. And that is why the importance of humility is something that the Quran constantly reminds us of because the only antidote to arrogance is humility humility is what we are instructed to do it is what all the prophets of Allah were instructed to do Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the people of Jannah in the end of Surah Al-Furqan there are 15 characteristics and the first characteristic that Allah mentions of the people of Jannah the number one characteristic when 15 are going to be mentioned by the way tahajjud comes number five by the way making dua at night comes number six number one on this verse the servants of Allah are those who when they're walking around in front of others they're walking with humility they don't have arrogance wherever they are their hearts are humble they don't have a speck of arrogance in their hearts and Allah Azza wa Jal praises the sahaba by saying they are humble with the believers. Allah praises the Sahaba by saying, They are strict with those who oppose Allah and His Messenger, and they're merciful and tender with those who are believers. Their mercy, their humility, their humbleness is in front of all to see. And in fact, the Arabic word for humility is also very profound. The Arabic word for humility is tawadu', tawadu', and it comes from wada'a. And wada'a literally means, as every Arab here, 
here knows it means to put something down. Wada'a, you put it down on the ground. That's what wada'a means. So tawadu', you lower your ego. That is in the meaning of the word humility. Tawadu' means you're constantly working on your ego to lower it down to the ground. That's the very definition, the linguistic definition of humility is you erase your ego. You're always putting your ego down in your own head and you're not considering yourself to be an arrogant person. And our Prophet ﷺ, just like he told us the one going to Jahannam is the one who's arrogant. He said, should I not tell you of the one whom Jahannam has been made haram for? Whom Jahannam has been made haram for? Kullu hayyinin layyinin. Everyone who is humble and easygoing, Jahannam is haram for him. Everyone who's humble and who's easygoing, you get along with them. They don't have an ego. They don't have a pride issue. That person, Jahannam has been made haram for him. And of course, this is complimentary. If Jahannam is meant for the mutakabbirin Allah literally says Jahannam is for the arrogant people so then who do you think Jahannam is haram for everybody who has humility everybody who doesn't have arrogance that person will never enter Jahannam and in fact look at the stories of humility in the Quran and again as always one khutbah how much can we say but look at the stories of humility in the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to وَخْفِضْ جَنَاحَكَ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ Lower your wings, Ya Rasulullah, to the believers. This is a metaphor, it's a parable. Lower your wings to the believers. Don't even be arrogant amongst them. And that is why when people visited Medina, they entered into the masjid, they could not tell who the Prophet ﷺ was and who Abu Bakr and Umar were. They couldn't tell because everybody acted the same around the Prophet ﷺ. We know that Anas ibn Malik said that when the Prophet ﷺ entered the room, we would not even stand up for him because we knew he didn't like being shown that outer respect. He didn't like that people stand up when he's walking in their presence. We know from the Quran as well that Musa alayhi salam in Surah Al-Kahf, when he said to the people, I am the most knowledgeable amongst you, Allah Azza wa sent Jibreel down to chastise Musa. And Jibreel said to Musa, O oh Musa, how could you say something that you have no right to say? Verily, there is a servant Allah has given knowledge you do not have. And then the story of Khidr begins. This hadith is in Sahih Bukhari. And we also have in the story of Sulaiman alayhi salam, that when Sulaiman saw all the blessings that he had, our scholars mentioned that perhaps something of a waswasa came into his heart and he might have felt something. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a small sparrow, a small bird, and the bird said to him, that I have come from a land you have no knowledge of and I'm going to bring you news that you do not know before. And I'm telling you from the king or the queen of Sheba and the story goes on. That little bird was sent to Sulaiman to remind him, oh Sulaiman, you might have control over the wind. Oh Suleiman, you can control the jinn. Oh Suleiman, you have the kingdom like no one else has. But this should not give you the right to feel anything superior. So Allah sent the smallest creature, which is that bird. And Allah Azza wa also demonstrated that the ant has some hikmah and wisdom that caused Suleiman to laugh. The scholars mentioned these stories are told to us to remind us that even Suleiman, despite all that he had, he did not earn or he did not have that of himself. He had no 
right to feel anything. Allah Azza wa Jal is teaching us humility through all of this. And of course, in the seerah of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we see the perfect embodiment of what it means to be a humble person. Our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would give salams to the young and to the old, to the men and the women. Our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would tease the younger children. There are many instances playing with them, picking them up in the air. Our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would do his own chores as Aisha said. He would milk his own she camel and goats. He would mend his own clothes. He would even fix his own shoe. Can you imagine Rasulullah picking up his shoe and mending and putting it himself as our mother Aisha said. Uh, and he, as we know as well that he would take care of his own needs and not, not command Aisha around the house. Our Prophet وسلم, as well intervened to solve a marital dispute between a slave woman and a slave man. He intervened and he tried to reconcile them. Our Prophet وسلم, would be the first to greet somebody and the first to put his hand out and the last to put his hand back. Our Prophet ﷺ, wherever he went, whoever he interacted with, the one whom he spoke with thought that he was the most beloved of the Sahaba. Every Sahabi thought he was the center of attention. Every Sahabi thought, nobody is more beloved than I am. And this is well known in incident of Amr ibn al-As when he asked the Prophet ﷺ, who's your favorite Sahabi? Thinking he was on that list. And of course, he wasn't even on that whole list until he became quiet. But the point is, Amr ibn al-As assumed he was the favorite Sahabi, why? Because of the humility and the love that the Prophet ﷺ had when he interacted with them. And our Prophet ﷺ would visit the sick and he would go out of his way, even non-Muslim, the Jewish neighbor that he had, he visited the Jewish child when that child was sick. And our Prophet ﷺ would attend the funerals of the Sahaba and he would go to the cemetery and make dua for them. And he made a special dua for that slave lady who passed away and they didn't even wake him up. But he in the next morning said, no, take me to her grave. And he made a point to make dua for her. And our Prophet Sallallahu would not be embarrassed to wear the regular clothing of his people. And he would ride on a donkey, even though donkeys were not what you, what you rode when you're a rich person or when you're the king. Yet that was his main method of transport. And our Prophet ﷺ forbade the Sahaba from excessively praising him or from standing up in his presence. All of this to show us what it means to be humble. And all of this so that we understand that he was a role model in every single issue. In fact, in one hadith, it is mentioned that he was giving a khutbah and he told the sahaba this beautiful hadith it's a very powerful hadith and he used his hands to demonstrate and he said Man he used his left hand and his right hand whoever humbles himself for the sake of Allah he used his left hand to lower himself whoever humbles himself for the sake of Allah then with the right hand he raised it up Allah will raise him up whoever has tawadu' Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise him up and this is one of the beautiful ironies of humility. Think about it. Who do you really respect? Do you respect the one who is arrogant? Or do you respect the one who is humble? Isn't it so profoundly ironic? Man If you are truly humble, guess what? You will be beloved and respected by mankind. Isn't it so amazing? If you truly have tawadur, you eliminate kibr from your heart, you think yourself worthy of nothing, what will happen? Allah will write the love of the people and the people will respect you because you didn't do it for them, you did it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the one 
who wants the people's respect and the one who is pompous and the one who spends money so that he thinks the people will respect him and the one who acts like an obnoxious person does anybody actually respect him no even the people that surround these types of personalities they do so because of the worldly perks that they get and as soon as the money disappears and as soon as the power disappears those friends disappear as well and this is the sunnah Allah fi khalqi, the reality of all of the creation around us. Therefore, you truly want to be beloved by Allah, beloved by the angels, beloved by the people. Be humble. Allah will love you. The angels will love you. The people will love you. And if you aim for the people's pleasure, and if you aim for the people's respect, not only will you not get it, you will also lose out on the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of our scholars of the past was asked, what exactly is humility? How do we define humility? One of them said, humility is that you do not consider yourself worthy of the blessings you have. So the blessings that you have, you feel, I don't deserve this. Now, don't deserve this doesn't mean you don't take advantage of it. You thank Allah and you live the life that Allah has given you. This does not mean that you don't live the life Allah has given you. Our Prophet ﷺ, whatever he was gifted, he wore. Good food came, he ate. He loved meat, he loved halwa, we know this. So humility does not mean you give up the dunya. Humility means if you have it, you don't consider yourself worthy of it. You thank Allah, Allah has given me. You never say, this is because of me. Like Qarun said, this is because of me, I have all of this wealth. That is what kibr is. But if you say, alhamdulillah, and then you benefit from what Allah has given you that is not uh, arrogance also others have defined uh, arrogance uh, or humility to mean that Abu Yazid al-Bastami the famous uh, uh, sheikh of the past uh, and the famous Gnostic Abu Yazid al-Bastami said that humility is to think of yourself as the most sinful human being on earth you think of yourself, you're the most ungrateful. Despite all that Allah has given you, you haven't thanked Allah the way that He deserves. So this is another element of humility, that you think of yourself as a sinful person and perhaps even the most sinful, or I should say the most ungrateful person on earth. Uh, uh, Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak was asked, what is humility? And he said, the height of humility is that the one, and this is a very profound and it's a bit long, so pay attention. The height of humility is that the one who has less than you in terms of wealth and dunya should never feel that because you have more, you are better. And that the one who has more than you should realize in your presence that he is not better than you because he has more than you. In other words, when you're interacting with the people, your dignity speaks for your humility. Those that have less, don't feel that they have less in your presence. And those that have more, they appreciate you have something they do not have. That is the essence of humility. And therefore, dear brothers and sisters, one of the goals of this khutbah, one of the purposes of khutbah, we begin to analyze our heart. We begin to check, do we truly have humility or not? And we begin to monitor it. And of course, to conclude the first khutbah, I have to briefly list what are some of the blessings of humility. Why should we aim to be humble? First and foremost, of the blessings of humility is that it forces us to count the blessings of Allah and it forces us to count our sins. You cannot be humble without recognizing Allah's blessings on you and without recognizing that you haven't repaid Allah the way He deserves to be repaid. And that is a big blessing to know Allah's blessings and to recognize how short you have fallen in repaying them. Secondly, of the blessings of humility is that humility leads us to be patient and content. When you're humble, you're content. 
You're happy with what you have. When you're humble, then you are, relatively speaking, satisfied with the life that you live. And when you're arrogant, you're always looking to the higher ladder, the next rung. Also of the blessings of humility is that humility leads us to have good manners. And humility allows us to control our tongue. The one who is humble doesn't speak obnoxious words. The one who is humble doesn't throw his weight around. Humility leads us to akhlaq. And our Prophet ﷺ said, the best of all things on the scales in Judgment Day will be good akhlaq. And of the blessings of humility, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq said, izzah is attained through tawadur. Allah honors you when you're humble. We already quoted the hadith. You truly want to be honored by Allah, by the angels, by mankind. Eliminate your ego and Allah Azza wa Jal will write humility for you. And the final point in our first khutbah and of course the most important one, humility opens the door to Jannah and shuts the door of Jahannam. The one who is humble can never enter Jahannam. Look at the, remember the one of the sinner who was a drunkard versus the one who was arrogant. The drunkard eventually enters Jannah and that arrogant worshiper was denied Jannah. Humility opens the doors to Jannah. That prostitute who lived her life doing evil, she was a humble lady. She asked Allah's forgiveness. She did one good deed and Allah forgave her because of what she had done because she was humble. She was not arrogant. This is not a justification to do sin. It is an encouragement to be humble. Humility opens the doors to Jannah and shuts the door to Jahannam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless me and you with and through the Quran. And may He make us of those who its verses they understand and who implement its halal and haram throughout our lifespan. I ask Allah's forgiveness. You as well ask. He is the Ghafoor, the Rahman. الحمد لله الحمد لله الواحد الأحد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد وبعده What are some of the practical steps that we can use to attain a sense of humility? A few points. Number one, knowledge. Anything you do, you begin with knowledge. Knowledge of the blessings of humility. Knowledge of the dangers of arrogance. Knowledge of what happens when you're humble. Knowledge of the verses and the ahadith in which Allah has criticized arrogance. You begin every journey in this dunya and even of the next, every journey you begin with ilm. So learn the blessings of humility. Learn the signs of humility. Learn the dangers of arrogance and learn the signs of arrogance. Number two, tafakkur and tadabbur. Self-reflection. No one can cure the spiritual diseases other than you. You cannot go to a doctor for your own spiritual diseases. You are the doctor of your own heart. You have to monitor the symptoms. You have to self-assess. Am I being arrogant here? Is there a sense of ego getting involved here? So that tadabbur and self-reflection, being vigilant in monitoring your heart at the first signs of arrogance, making sure that you ask Allah Azza wa Jal for tawadu, for humility. Number three of the ways to guarantee or to bring about humility is to participate in activities that others might think is beneath you. Others might think it is not suitable for you. Our Prophet ﷺ did his own chores and he didn't have to do that. He had Anas ibn Malik, all of his mothers, our wives, all of his wives, our mothers, all of them would have loved to do anything he wanted, but he wouldn't command them around. He would stand up and get his own water. He would stand up and milk his own animal. He would stand up and fix his own shoe. Of these, the reasons our scholars mentioned to be a role model of humility. As well, our 
Prophet ﷺ participated in building the masjid himself and he didn't need to build the masjid but he stood in line and he passed brick, brick by brick just like the other sahaba were doing he passed brick by brick and Jabir says I swear by Allah I saw his whole thobe his whole garment dirty with the dust of those bricks that's what he was doing in the battle of the trench he jumped down in the trenches and he was digging along with everybody else in the uh, incident of, of Tabuk when they were when they were going to the journey and they had to share one camel for three people and he had with him Ibn Abbas and Ali radiallahu an the two of them said Ya Rasulullah you stay on the camel we will walk we don't worry about us you stay on the camel and he smiled and he said neither am I any older than the both of you even though he was older but he's cracking a joke here I'm not some old person that you're telling me not to walk nor am I somebody who doesn't need that reward we will share the camel and he insisted to walk his turn and they ride their turns walk and ride rock and ride all three of them took turns he insisted to do that even though of course they offered as they should have offered but he refused to do that these are some of the ways that we can bring about humility as well of the ways to bring about humility uh, and this is the final point for our second khutbah of the ways we bring about humility dear brothers and sisters we ask Allah for humility if we don't ask Allah if we don't make dua then how will anything happen for us we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to grant us the wadur we seek refuge in Allah Azza wa Jal from kibr this is of the ways that we get what we want by making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are some of the mechanisms that we can use to try to bring about humility. We ask Allah azza wa jal to bless us in this world and the next. I'm going to make dua, so say ameen. Oh Allah, we ask that you do not allow any of our sins to remain except that you have forgiven them. And all of our worries except that you have dispersed them. And our sick, oh Allah, we ask that you cure them. And our debts, oh Allah, we ask that you repay them. And our difficulties, oh Allah, we ask that you ease them and every need of ours in this world or the next that you are pleased with and brings us benefit we ask that you give it to us and fulfill it with your rahma ya arhamar rahimin oh Allah we ask you that you bring glory to Islam and its people and the ummah oh Allah make it blessed and peaceful and protect it from those who desire for it evil with your power ya qawiyu ya aziz servants of Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded you with a matter that he began with himself and he followed it up by asking the angels themselves and then he followed it through by commanding us ourselves to do. For he says in the Quran, Inna Allaha wa malaikatuhu yusalloon ala nabi Ya ayuhaladina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik wa an'im ala abdik rasulika Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbi ajma'in. Ibadallah, Inna Allaha ta'ala ya'muru bil adli wal ihsani wa ita'id al qurba wa yanha'an al fahshai wal munkari wal baghi. Ya'idhukum la'allakum tadakkaroon. Udhkurullah al-azim yadhkurkum. واشكروه يزد لكم ولذكر الله تعالى أكبر وأقم الصلاة لا يزال الخير حيا لا يزال إن في الدنيا سلاما وظلال أخبر الأيام أنها في وصال قم بنا وانظر لآيات الجمال قم بنا وانظر لآيات الجمال